if anybody comes to you and says they're in business or they've got an idea to make money, um, that's probably where I'd run away from. <laughs> it's the it's the wrong for me. That's the wrong business model, um, and it would not be. It's the wrong business model because it can't be sustainable. Hi, my name is Vindya V. This is Art of the Extraordinary, the podcast for those of you who's ready to play a much bigger game and leave an extraordinary legacy behind. I'm glad you're here and it's time to make your quantum leap. Hey guys, it's Vindya. I'm a high performance coach and I help build high performing teams that make you look great. Every week I bring on guests who have done pretty extraordinary things in the world and I dig deeper in a quest to finding out what has made them different and what have they done different. Today my guest on the show is Troy Douglas. He's the co-founder and global CEO of Nexpa. It's Australia's leading naturally sugar-free beverage brand, now sold over 3,000 outlets nationally. With a passion for innovation, Troy now heads up the international strategy and growth and direction of Nextbar brand. Now here is why this episode is special. Nextbar was created with the vision to bring naturally sugar-free innovation to Australians and beyond in a war against obesity and diabetes. Now, eight years since its inception, Nexpa have received widespread recognition for their achievements in innovating and disrupting Australia's beverage industry, including winning Product of the Year in 2017 and the inaugural Telstra's Alumni Achievement Award in 2018. In 2018, as global CEO, Troy led Nextbar into their first international market, signing a major deal with UK supermarket giant Sainsbury's. Now, what is special about the brand that they have built is that the brand was built in a highly competitive, already very saturated market. So in today's episode, you would hear more from Troy about how they stayed on top of competition in such a highly saturated market, competitive market with already a lot of giants playing in the market. While a lot of people would go, oh my God, that is definitely not a field that we don't, we want to get into. They have gone about doing things differently and that has been their key to success. So we're going to hear from him about the secret ingredients that made Nexpa special and that saw its success that it has seen so far and all the great things that they are doing right now as well. There are going to be a lot of golden nuggets as I always promise. So let's jump into our episode today. Troy, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you today. India, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here as well. Now, I know about your story and your brand story, but for those of us in the audience who do not know about you, just tell us a little bit about the journey that you've been on, because I think it's been a crazy one. So just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm trying to work out where to start. It's actually now been a nine-year journey since uh, Nexus began. But um, for those listening, my name's Troy Douglas, my business partner, Drew Bilby is also my brother-in-law, and essentially... Nine years ago, back in 2010, he uh, was over in 
um, a place called Rio Nexpa over in Mexico and was inspired by the Better For You um, wealth of products and options and he then came back to Australia, tapped me on the shoulder at the time I was studying law and communications and he was like, do you want to help me start a beverage company? And as all logical answers to that, I was like, sure. <laughs> um, but I think what's been uh, really exciting for us is, so Nexbar today is, our vision is really about being Australia's naturally brave brand, delivering naturally sugar-free innovation to the world. So we've got a multitude of products in Coles and Woolworths, but it began many years ago and we, we actually ended up importing a canning line, setting up a factory in Sydney out in Hornsby and basically at the pavement um, trying to sell what we had at the time, which was iced tea. So, and today now the business extends into multiple product ranges in terms of soft drinks, sparkling waters, tonic waters and much more functional stuff now. With uh, Woolies, we launched um, kombucha and um, we've got probiotic waters with Chemist Warehouse and things like that. And, and my role's really evolved into now how do we share this Australian innovation overseas. So we recently, in November last year, we won um, Sainsbury's as well, which is a, a really exciting coup. So that's a, I've, I'm trying to be sync. Feel free to now we can break down that, India. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, do you feel that it has been nine years or do you feel that it's been, it feels like it's been longer given what you guys have been through? Well, I think when I look at um, photos of me at the beginning, <laughs> I think, wow, I've aged, but I actually think it's been an incredibly fast um, journey. I think all, uh, there's no, it's very rare few businesses that you hear about which are an easy ride. So I think we've had some many challenging um, points, but ultimately, I think what's exciting today is both Drew and myself are more energised now about the business. We are in very much high growth, um, so it's a it's a really exciting time. We've got great people in the business, um, and my role constantly evolves and adapts uh, to how do we add value to the to the future growth as well. So, no, I think it's been a really a really positive positive time, and I and only when you look at the actual. Every year go past, I realise how many years it has been um, and I might not look as young. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys have a really interesting story because you have law, like you come from a law background and your brother-in-law yeah. comes from an engineering background and that has got nothing to do with what you guys actually build as a brand. How, how did that all happen? Yeah, it's a, it's a great um fact i guess but i i think we're both passionate about building a business that can have an impact so a big thing behind next is the fact that we genuinely believe that the greater consumption of naturally sugar-free alternatives means reduced sugar consumption and artificial ingredients which has a um to have uh significant impacts on the health and well-being of consumers so for me my background so at the time Drew is obviously full-time working as an engineer. I was still studying um, my law degree. It actually took me 10 years. I left my law degree after having completed four years and it took me um, another like six years to finish my final year <laughs> in terms of wow. my law degree. But um, I think when I was, I had the great experience of working while studying at a marketing agency um, with a lady called Sharon Williams at Taurus Marketing. Uh, who was an incredible networker and taught me a lot about um, how to build relationships and uh, 
grow brand equity. And then my experience in law was I was also very fortunate to have a stint as a paralegal within a, a quite a large uh, top tier law firm in terms of Allen and Overy. So I think ultimately um, key to Next story has been the fact that we did dive into Nexpa without having backgrounds in the food and beverage industry, but ultimately, um, because of how young we were, we were passionate about what we were doing, and it it gave us the um, we weren't shy of reaching out to incredible people who have been successful in food and beverages, so XCOs at Coca Cola, um, nudie beverages, all sorts of people who were really willing to share their experiences in the industry and then ultimately that's what's helped us, I guess, build um, our business over time. If you look at the food and beverages industry, I think that's one of the toughest industries to get into because there is already a lot of competition and also like um, I get that you guys are so passionate about the product and I'm I'm with you when you say, you know, that we need to just eliminate sugar and try to go into natural things and just so passionate about that. And as a culture, we are becoming more and more aware of it as well. Now, there are a lot of people who have got really great ideas, but they don't see the light of the day of, of that idea actually coming to fruition and, you know, actually becoming a big brand that is built across multiple continents. So having an idea and then actually taking it to something really big like you guys have, that obviously, my guess is you, if you have to like put in like a secret ingredient to doing something like that, what would you say that is? Great question. I think for us, the fact that we, I'll start with, there's a gentleman called Peter Barron who we call the godfather of Nextbar. He was in our little video on our website, which I look a lot younger in, but he, in I guess, instilled in both Drew and myself really early on that success is the byproduct of doing business right. We bootstrapped the company for many years, um, nearly six, uh, seven years, I guess, and then recently we've, we're in the very live final stages of completing our first six million Series A capital raise. Um, the reason I share that is the fact that we bootstrapped allowed us to learn, um, work with our retailers and our partners about with the products that we had um, to really kind of find what will have an impact on shelf and allow us to be in a position of we're now no longer a startup, we're very much a scale-up business. Um, so I think the, the thing that has allowed us to survive and and now been in a position of really accelerated growth is the fact that we were persistent and we were very clear from the beginning of a, of a point of difference and a gap in the, the industry which is dominated by large multinationals um, to then have an opportunity to add value and drive sales for your customers so for us if you think of that at Coles and Woolworths in the Australian market being the big, the big retailers then it's how can we support um, both of those customers add value to Australian consumers with choice of products to consume. And so a lot of that collaborative relationships and having an approach to a partnership for sales, that collaborative approach is, I think, a really key ingredient, as is Nexper as a key ingredient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, well, that is 
so interesting because a lot of people when they first start a brand or a business or when they have an idea usually um the the idea is to just learn everything by ourselves figure it out all by ourselves but i think what you guys have done is actually use relationships to to kind of help accelerate your growth and accelerate your learning curve and that means that you have cut your learning curve probably in half or more and that has actually excelled you guys to where you are today yeah absolutely there's no question that um there was a i think in the early stages it was okay for drew and i to almost be a little naive because we weren't from the industry uh, obviously that is not the case today we're really leading the industry in terms of naturally sugar-free innovation, but it did take us as a business six years to actually get to the point where we were able to patent and um, have a proprietary blend of ingredients, which is essentially what our essence and secret to our scale growth now, which is Nexpa and our, our natural sweetener blend, which allows us to emulate the taste and profile of sugar, and we can apply that um, our next core essence into any food and beverage products. What was kind of the process like before you decided, oh, okay, actually this is something that could possibly become really big. Did you ever know that? Or like what was the point that you kind of decided or you got the idea, you know what, actually we can build this into something bigger? I think Drew and I both from the get-go had a big ambition. So I think getting clarity and it becomes even more important as you grow and you, you build a team to be clear on your ambition and where you want to build something. Um, I think is, has always been there. I think that it became really crystal clear once we actually uh, perfected and had our ability to be naturally sugar-free, which took us six years. Um, so once we had that, that's when we've really step changed the business um, and we're now really custodians. So for any businesses that you go from being a private, totally self-funded to then having um, people that you respect and admire back you and believe in your journey and your story, that puts another layer of uh, professionalism and accountability where you are custodians of these people's uh, in worth the money that they've worked hard to, to have the ability to choose to invest. Um, so I think that really... Um, that it helps you affirm that ambition and that strategy and you really need to do, provide growth and a, a pathway that can hopefully see, see people um, be happy that they've made the decision to back you. Mm. Well, I really like that the idea that you guys actually, you, you keep on saying that it took you six years. I guess six years is the point where, you know, it actually became your thing and your unique value proposition. And that is your differentiation in such a saturated market. And at that point, you can actually, you know, be free and speak loudly about, okay, this is actually who we are and this is what we do and this is what we believe. Until you become very clear on who your market is and who you are serving serving and what you stand for I guess um, I guess that's critical to even having anyone else's backing right yeah I think that it's uh, I see many um, businesses start and, and fail or over the years we've seen many brands launch backed by multinationals or they are multinational brands being launched and they've spent incredible amounts above the line but ultimately um, not, they don't stack up for what consumers actually want. So whilst we're a very 
emerging um, business our without spending money above the line, we can still outperform in-store sales. So I think the organic growth and proving taste loyalty and being willing to change and adapt um, over and over again until it's something that is really resonating is important. So we've, uh, we're seen as a very young um, scaling up brand. We've got a, we do have a graveyard of products that we've launched and haven't um, hit the mark in terms of the exact runways we've got, but they've been an evolution to get us to the point now where we do have um, many ranges of products that are that are um, hitting very well with consumers, which is, I guess, the exciting thing. But if you weren't willing to uh, realize that you've got something that does need to be adapted and changed, then I think that's where a lot of people can down um, fall down, I guess. touch on it a, a little bit about you know how other business you've seen them you know rise and fall within such a short period um what would you say like some of the common myths that people have in building a brand that would actually stand the test of time you need to i think ultimately it all comes down to brand equity and standing for something so i, I think that businesses today uh, there is a definite rise of challenger brands and challenger brands being those that have meaning and stand for something. So for us, whilst we are 100% a profit with purpose business, um, well, maybe that's the point. It's the fact that you've got a purpose behind the, the business. And for us, what drives us is if we could accelerate our growth in an industry which is typically dominated by giants, then we can encourage those giants to accelerate their innovation pipelines to be naturally sugar-free and the impact of the whole every category that's either high sugar or artificial becoming naturally sugar-free is going to be a really tremendous one on the consume on everybody's life in terms of um, uh, helping to reduce incidence of diabetes obesity all those type of um, really serious health problems that we have since you guys have started going into international markets and especially the US. I know that the sugar industry over there is pretty massive, in fact, across the whole globe. So how has that played into your plans and strategies and your brand awareness when there is already such a competing massive industry with a lot of backing behind them? I think for us, our strategy has been really um, focused on taste. How do you compete? So if we can have a product that is so people who are massive soft drink fans, if we can create a lemon um, flavored like as if a lemonade, and it tastes the same as something that's either um, high sugar or a mixture of sugar and artificial sweeteners, um, but then there's our version which is naturally sugar free and it tastes the same, then it's only a matter of time that consumers will be like, oh, there's no reason why I should have that one. I would actually just have the one that's better for health. So the challenge for a business like us then is um, clearly naturally sugar-free is a more expensive process to create that product. So it's had a, it's we've had to work very hard on our model to be able to have um, the ability to have products in the market that aren't crazily more expensive than the big guys. Um, 
and then ultimately it's that word of mouth and consumers really believing the brand which is helping to share our message um i think that's been a real key focus for us so i think it's the fact that we've been around for so many years now the people that do find nexva and do have a taste they we've got an incredibly high loyalty amongst those people that drink our products well, something that I, I um, like keep on feeling is that you guys have a really clear, crystal clear understanding of who your target market is and what you want to do for those people. So I guess from that standpoint, it doesn't matter what other competition or whoever else the you know other players are already in the market because you're so clear on who you're serving. And that itself actually speaks loudly because people will listen to you more and people will actually see what you do and they, they would start to believe in what you believe in as well. So I, th- I feel like that's played a, a massive part in your journey. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess when you're referencing industries like the sugar industry, et cetera, uh, our products aren't anti, we're not anti-sugar at all. We're just in a consumer produced product. Um, so part of our, next but natural sweetener blend and our proprietary formula is uh, so erythritol as an example is an ingredient that people aren't familiar with and it's derived from um, fermentation of sort of starches and fruits and and sugar itself so the sugar industry is required to sort of produce those products that actually can have a, a less of a negative effect on the on the body as well Mm. So it's it's not to be afraid of it. It's just actually evolving it because um, the ability to produce naturally sugar-free products has evolved. Uh, so it's a it's a no-brainer that consumers shouldn't have to drink um, the higher sugar of the artificial products either. would you say are some of the hurdles that you've had to personally face along this journey because you've had to probably learn lots you've had to grow lots um what had what would you say are the biggest hurdles that you have to come through i think there's uh, anybody who's a, a founder or anybody who's just um ambitious and focused in the, the business that you work in i think ultimately life is about growing and learning um to be the best version of yourself. So for next, but we've all, and Drew and myself, we've always had this naturally brave mantra within the business. We've got really strong values um, that help drive the business. Um, from a personal growth, um, which is then leads into your professional growth, but ultimately um, I've, uh, we've had to grow quickly to become leader, young leaders of a, of a business that's in growth. Um, so, you don't jump in knowing how to be the best manager of people. So it's then what are your being able to self-reflect on what are your strengths and weaknesses and how do you accelerate um, and focus on the ones that can drive the most value for the business rather than um, try to do everything. So I think it's my role personally within our business has been uh, to be capable of making myself uncomfortable with making myself redundant (laughs) over and over again um, because of the fact that we've been able to encourage and find incredible people to join the journey. So as an example, Steve Smyth, who's our commercial director, he's an incredibly passionate person that saw and believed in our vision um, with myself and Drew Bilby and he uh, 
was ex PepsiCo, uh, he incredible experience, and he jumped into the business, and that's when I kind of started to hand over a lot of the sales um, partnerships relationships. I'm still around as a as a founder of the business and somebody to help share in the new innovations and the passion and where, the direction that we're heading. But he's an incredibly um, capable person and uh, more capable than myself in in many areas to commercially manage um, those relationships on a day to day basis. I think it's a point that a lot of founders, I think, get stuck on is because they're trying to be perfect and they're trying to control everything that comes in and goes out. But you can only go so much when you do that. But understanding your strengths and weaknesses and actually playing to your strengths and letting your weaknesses be somebody else's strength, I think that's a massive one. It's something that I've always believed in is that if you if your dream is something that you can achieve by yourself, you're probably not dreaming big enough, especially if you want to do big things. Yeah, that's very true. I like that. <laughs> um, well, if you kind of have like a well a skill set or a superpower that helped you on this journey, what would you say? <laughs> so, um, uh, goodness, I think that by nature we don't have this as a value. <laughs> in our business, but it was recommended that we did in terms of restless. Um, obviously, people could see that as a negative, but for me, I operate, I probably think quite divergently, and um, I'm always trying to think about what um, improvements we can make. So, another person that I've met in the past who described himself as like a corporate agitator, I'm probably something similar <laughs> to that. <laughs> um, I don't like I love I love systems. I love process. Um, I personally am not good at following that, <laughs> but, but, I, but I can I can com- completely appreciate the value um, in those things um, to helping you set foundations for growth. But personally, I think part of my skill set is the fact that I don't um, I probably struggle to operate in that world. <laughs> Um, I like, uh, you know, a, a fact that a lot of people would call it a weakness and I don't actually think that there are weaknesses. You just have both um, on various degrees. I love how you use that and use it as a strength. And that's something that um, I think Drew and myself have been getting better at more recently as well. And so a friend of mine, Amanda Price, is the she heads up a thing called High Growth Ventures um, and she's been very passionate about how do you support founders in the concept of driving into high growth? Um, so, yeah, she's been somebody recently that's been really great for myself and Drew to, to be in discussions with about now acknowledging that um, the business is definitely bigger than <laughs> how do you make a business much bigger than yourselves as you move forward and what is it that you need in terms of the right people on board to, to support that? I'm sure like along the journey, there had been many points where you've either questioned the idea or questioned yourself, or maybe there had even been setbacks. What is your philosophy in dealing with setbacks? Yeah, somebody recently said to me that I'm, I almost like leaning into fear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I think it's just more that um, it's been, Drew and I have, had an incredible amount of setbacks and challenges in nearly everything that we've done in business. It's only now that we're really in this period of exciting growth and accelerated growth, but that's because we've learnt a lot 
over time and we've made um we've adapted over time and every incremental change that we've made is ultimately what's built the foundations of the, the business model that we have now um but in terms of setbacks and really dealing with them because we were so young and we jumped into this i think that drew and i just haven't had any other option but to keep moving <laughs> and the fact that we are now custodians of, of families and friends um, and incredible business people in Australia have backed us. That just adds that layer of um, pressure, which I guess to some it could be consuming, but for, for Drew and I, I think it's also the, the energy that keeps on giving. Well, I think fear is a, is a great indicator for something that you deeply desire. So there you go. That makes sense. I um. I've met, I've been fortunate to meet with some great uh, people recently, and um, some of them who have shared is that you, you may, as a founder, you may never get that um, sense of a monkey being on your back because ultimately that means that you're you're moving in in the right direction. How does it feel like to be working so closely with your brother-in-law and how does that family dynamic work in business? Yeah, it's a great question and it's definitely one that Drew and myself have been conscious of over time to uh, try and make that family part even a little bit more professional in a way because when you, when you start off in business, we've learned so much about each other. We definitely know that We've got each other's backs and ultimately the success at Nexpo is due to the fact that our skill sets are incredibly different. I think people can often be concerned about family businesses, but ultimately for us, it's part of our strength. It comes down to the authenticity of the brand and what we've created. Um, but definitely when it comes to uh, evolving and being the best united leadership front, because we can have massive little, little bodies in terms of because we're so passionate about the direction of the business, um, we do enjoy um, battling out the, uh, those opportunities until we both align. Um, and we realise that doing that in front of everyone can be quite um, confronting. So for us, it's about um, knowing when to take conversations um, offline together and then really getting a united front so when we can come back to the team. There's no question about us being united because whilst it could look, otherwise we realise that that can look quite confronting to others if they don't realise the dynamic, which is the fact that we, <laughs> we are family. <laughs> well, I guess it, it, it really speaks to how strong your relationship is. And I understand like when people say, oh, uh, maybe business with family, it's not going to work. But if you don't have great relationships within the family, of course, that's going to end up being a nightmare. But if you actually have got very transparent um, relations and, and you're growing and you're supporting each other to your strengths, I guess it could actually be a blessing. Yeah, I think it's the key to any relationship, to be honest. Like communication is everything. And I think when you in a, if you think of any relationship that breaks down, it's at the essence of it, it's the fact that there's been a, um, unwillingness or a breakdown to be completely open with each other and, and communicate to then decide whether you can resolve it and move on. And I think that in business, especially when things are tough, um, where uh, businesses might break down, uh, in fact, 
uh, Peter Brown, another thing that he told us very early on was his belief is that failure is, um, failures of businesses is typically only from within. Um, so he's been someone very much, which is about ensuring that you don't just sweep issues under a carpet, you get them out, you, to the, you analyze them and you work out what's going on and then that's how you improve and, and make your business model even better. There are a lot of companies whose values are just on the wall and actually that's not what they do inside and that's what make companies break, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And it comes well, down to hiring, all that type of stuff. You need to hire against your values. Tell me more about that. Uh, I think for our experience and learning is, um, so our, our values at Nexpro be fun, be collaborative, be brave and be authentic. And we define those, we share those with the team because um, ultimately for us that seems to be that mindset that really allows us to grow and work really well. And I think that um, we've made mistakes where somebody's experience is incredibly great on paper but then because of the experience um, of shifting into an emerging challenging you need to think a bit differently to survive um, format uh, it may not work um, as well as what you'd expect it so I think whenever we've um, stepped back and been a bit more um, honest with the value side of things is when we've made the best decisions in terms of people Mm, that's that's really a, a key point um, because I think a lot of people would think that you know it's the number of degrees or the certifications or whatever the qualifications that shows on paper. Actually, if that's impressive, that's good enough. But I think the the values part play a really really big game, especially in 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 a company that needs to be very agile and move with the market. And there's a lot of things changing. If you're one not passionate about what you guys are doing, and also um, if you do not have that personality that you can, you know, take things on board and just move with everything and align with your values, I think that would that would not be good for the company, I guess. No, absolutely. Not a great one. little if somebody told you this is what you're going to be doing so many years down the line would you have believed it yes <laughs> <laughs> I I'm probably uh, I am somebody who's personally always set uh, goals and had them up on the wall and everything's kind of progressed I didn't have next but on the wall when I was a kid but I think I had something called chillax and cheers or something weird was on my on my thing but I've always been passionate about business and startups and which is why when Drew tapped me on the shoulder I didn't question jumping in is because I've always wanted to help create something that can make an impact um, and even if that's just simply the people that you're employing and um, the families that stem off that I think that's a nice way to live and it's what energizes me and it's what moves me and and drew forward in terms of um shooting higher and aiming for bigger bigger impact in the industry as well how did you guys end up doing like law and and engineering like it feels like you guys always had that entrepreneurial like you know gene in you how, how did you end up you know doing that i kind of think law is the new business degree I don't know I, I feel like a lot of people that I've 
um, maybe it's because I took so long at uni. <laughs> a lot of people doing a law degree these days, a lot of them end up stemming out of law and going into business. I think it's just a solid base. Um, uh, I don't can't speak on Drew's behalf why he went into engineering. I guess from my perspective, um, I liked the sound. Everyone, I don't know, I liked the sound of being a lawyer when I was a kid. And I and to be honest, I did enjoy it when I was in there. But I think what made both of us step out is an acknowledgement that for us, um, this concept of actually doing something that can make an impact. It's um, weird when I was in law. I felt like, unless I was a partner from day one, which never happens, I felt like it would be hard, it, anybody could actually replace me and do that job. So that's kind of what drove me to do what I'm doing now. Mm. Well, that actually uh, gives me a nice segue into my next question, which was, um, well, are there, like, what kind of parts um, that you got from doing your degree and, and from that profession? What kind of parts did you bring into the business and that, you know, you, you went and thought, oh, actually, that's really good that we did that? Yeah, I think our degrees have been incredibly, our degrees are actually kind of reflect what our roles are within the business. Like Drew's with his engineering, he's very much Australia, like the CEO of our team, um, and a strong leader and strong project manager. Uh, whereas my role is very much in the the growth and stakeholder management. And I've always, it's allowed me to review contracts and actually kind of have a lens of an understanding of what I'm reviewing ever since we began. So I think it's been, it has been incredibly valuable. And the other thing that I think a law and a communications degree that I do at UTS it does give you that base of um, analysing problems and knowing that you need to look at both sides and all that type of stuff because that's the key to any relationship in a commercial sense as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it has been valuable and has led it to the specific roles that both Drew and myself have as we um, always evolve and continue to grow the business. Well, uh, one thing I actually forgot to ask is about raising capital because I know that after bootstrapping, you guys started raise capital to build a much bigger brand. Now, I know a lot of people actually limit themselves just to um, to have be self-funded and that itself, it, it is quite limiting because you can't hire the best people to put in the best places so then you would get the best result, but rather you're actually going from what you have. So what was your thinking around raising capital and how... Did you think that, you know, yeah, this is actually what we want to do and um, this is how we want to move forward? I, Drew and I were very fortunate. My friend of mine, Steve Malbani, um, for many years, he's an ex-partner at PwC uh, and he now works out on his own. He's also a co-founder of a crowdfunding platform called Venture Crowd. Uh, which Nexper has used in our capital raising process. I think it was, for us, uh, I think the focus for any business is really looking at what is your business strategy and then do you have a capital strategy that aligns with that. And obviously, if you can have a business strategy that is organically funded, um, then that's an, that's an amazing, that's amazing. <laughs> so if you can, or you should ask yourself, can you drive that business strategy a bit further? And maybe you do have a need for additional capital. But for us, once we owned and had our IP in this proprietary natural sweetener blend, um, we definitely knew that now was the time to scale the business and have an injection of capital 
um, to really put us on the path that we're now on in terms of um, the brand equity and the brand awareness that we have in Australia. So for us, it was just a simple decision of we were ready. We'd had the foundations laid and we knew that it was now time to step up our growth. And that's why last year we grew at 148%. Um, we expect um, to grow even further than that uh, in FY19 and FY20. Our budget's looking incredibly exciting as a base. So um, the process of capital raising is an intense one. So I've, that's part of my role and I've been, I drove that, but uh, it's a incredibly valuable experience as well because it forces your business to step up or it definitely has for Nexpa in terms of simple things, in terms of governance, the ability to be, I think for any business I would treat um, if you are doing capital raise route, um, any equity you bring in should be about, um, should be smart capital. Otherwise, if you can find a way to get debt, I would choose debt. But if you can get equity that brings with it um, who we call, so we call our investors our next for legends um, because they are, because they've believed in our journey and our story. And ultimately, each of them comes with experiences uh, that are different to what we've had. So when you do come across any potential risks or any opportunities, you can communicate those and you can fast track or you can then get insights to adapt um, the strategies you have to unlock both the opportunities and the risks in the business. Um, so I think it's been an incredible positive process for us and um, it's definitely put us in the position now where, we're, where we have stepped overseas and we've launched into the UK and the Australian business is in high growth. Well, along the journey, like, what would you say is the best advice and the worst advice you've been given? I don't think there's, I don't think I've ever been given worst advice because, <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I think I probably shared a few of them in terms of um, best advice. I think my approach uh, to learning has been to engage with many, many, many. Um, I think it's Ray Dalio who wrote a book called Principles and he describes them as believable people. I think that's kind of been my approach, which is because we weren't from the industry, I have sought out advice from many people um, or to speak to believable people about issues or uh, challenges that we've got. Um, and ultimately, I don't think you could ever describe the advice you've been given is bad advice. I think that only because I think you need to take ownership of the decisions you make, even if you're speaking to a lot of people. So um, if I've followed advice, um, I've made that decision to take that path um, based on what I've known. Um, so the negative of that is for me to own, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so a lot of people would say, yeah, that is a worse advice, but I, I understand what you say because maybe that advice would work in a different context to a different person in a different situation. So it's not necessarily the right one at that stage. So um, yeah. all advice is advice. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, if you could go back to the beginning of when you first started, what would you change about how you went about doing things? 
now knowing what you know now? It's a great question in terms of what I would change. To be honest, there wouldn't be much. But with what I would say building from that is I think that nine years in, our ability to scale is far quicker. So because of everything that we've learned over a period of time, when we take when you, when you launch when we're launching into a new market, which could almost be seen as a new business, um, the ability for us to scale quick is um, is real and it's easy. So I think the if I was to start next year again, um, it's a hard question to answer, but I, I think it would be. Um, or if I was to enter a brand new industry where I don't have the knowledge, um, I wouldn't be afraid of seeking external support quicker in terms of shaping and, and, and testing those concepts. So I think that we went the right approach in terms of bootstrapping because then once an idea was proven, then we would accelerate, which is why we did the capital raise. Um, so I think that's proved out really positive for us. Um, yeah, what would I change? I don't know. Maybe I would um I would prepare myself mentally more for the fact that I would be here nine years later. But I'm very happy to be here nine years later as well. I think I told my dad that who supported me as well. I was like, Oh, I'll be able to um give back the the bit of money that he he supported me <laughs> two years later. So maybe I would have a different mindset on that two year period. <laughs> that's actually really funny because a lot of people have this idea oh yeah we gotta we're gonna make money tomorrow yeah. next week next month uh, you're probably looking at like a five to ten year plan yeah <laughs> i would uh, don't come yeah. to terms with that i think that's the uh, that's i think that maybe that's the learning i would prepare the people around me to appreciate that it's going to be a long journey yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I guess if you guys did uh, like uh, did approach things in a way, oh yeah, we're gonna make money tomorrow. I don't think that the quality that you guys have put into the product and the passion that you have would have come through the same way that it does now. No, I I absolutely fundamentally believe that if anybody comes to you and says they're in business or they've got an idea to make money, um, that's probably where I'd run away from. <laughs> it's the it's the wrong, for me, that's the wrong business model. Um, and it would not be, it's the wrong business model because it can't be sustainable in my view. Um, but that's only from my experience. Um, because ultimately, um, you need to be finding, fulfilling a need and a gap and, and adding value. And um, that takes investment and it takes time. Yeah, and also I guess that means you're in business and you're just in such a hurry to get out of it because you're not enjoying what you're doing. And that's the reason why a lot of people go into business as well. And and investors wouldn't back that either. Like people back authenticity and clear direction and if people think that it's all about, um, yeah, there's just no authentic integrity behind something that's purely designed to be a cash cow. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Maybe I should have changed. And I recently did this <laughs> um, through the High Growth Ventures. I got introduced to this uh, fingerprints for success um, from Michelle Duval. And maybe that's one of the reasons why my score on money was probably too low. <laughs> I, need to, <laughs> I need to appreciate that more. 
<laughs> well, that's a upper argument, I guess. <laughs> yeah. um, well, what would you say is the, like, if you can think of, like, the highest or the number one thing that you've learned about yourself along the journey? I am resilient, maybe. If I was, I mean, yeah, I think resilience and has been a big key. And uh, the, I think what, have, yeah, I've just been so fortunate to have an incredible business partner, uh, being Drew, um, backing, backing the journey as well. So I think that it, um, acknowledging that it's better to do it with somebody else than just yourself has been a really positive experience for us and for myself. I've, I've heard from somewhere that business is a, a game of endurance. It comes down to how much you can endure, like how many uh, punches, right? And I guess the number of things that you can endure and go through, which most of the time we don't realize how much actually we can take until we actually go through them and take them. Yeah, and 100%. And, uh, I think where, and when you do endure, when, when you do get through it, we're in a really exciting period. I think what's fascinating is then it's a new level of uh, anxiety in, in a way because you're, <laughs> you're like, wow, everything's going well. I feel like I'm missing something. So what's, <laughs> what, what, what's coming? And then I'm constantly trying to see what's coming at us, but maybe I should just enjoy the growth. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so what is next for Nexpa? Like what's happening? Um, cause I know that you guys just launched, uh, or maybe it's been a while that you launched a new line of products rather than the, the soft drinks. Yeah. So we launched tonic waters in both into cars and Woolies, uh, our kombuchas, uh, in a big way have been launched into Woolworths. Uh, we'll see a lot of exciting innovation in that space. Um, where you will see a lot of exciting innovation for us in the kombucha space. Um, but ultimately, as I shared, our opportunity is about reinventing any high sugar artificial category. So uh, there'll be a lot more innovation with Coles and Woolworths um, in terms of the Australian retailers. Uh, we'll also be, in terms of where my focus is, uh, hopefully you will see some exciting expansion um, through the UK and through our partnership that we've got with Sainsbury's as part of the Future Brands uh, team there. So. Just a lot of nice packaging of next, but hopefully just appearing in more shelves and in more fridges. Well, I think your packaging is uh, is killing at the moment anyway, so I think you're good. <laughs> uh, um, so the kombucha range, just tell us a little bit about it because I think it's not just kombucha. I think you guys have got uh, something special in there. I know about it, but I would rather hear it from you. I think the audience would love to. Yeah, we've... Uh, we spent a lot of time before we launched our kombucha range. Reason being is we wanted to ensure that the benefit of the probiotics got to your gut um, by the, after you drank it. So there's a lot of products on the market that the probiotic benefit actually dies before it reaches your gut. So we're one of the few brands that Fizans have approved to say promotes good gut health. Um, and the technology that we've got in there is, I guess, a big, it's called a bacillus coagulus, co uh, coagulin, sorry, <laughs> bacillus coagulin, um, which is the way to describe that is that the probiotic benefit is almost like a seed that then germinates when it hits your gut. So it allows us to have been one of the first brands in Woolworths to be ambient on shelf. So we, we've got four packs 
in Woolworths and and the reason that we were allowed to do that was because of the technology and the product. Feel free to get into stores and enjoy um, our kombucha and I think what is unique to our flavour and taste is because of that technology, when you do taste it, it's, it's going to remind you a lot more of the flavours that um, that range is. So it's less a um, fermented kombucha taste, it's very much a delicious yummy drink um, based on the flavours. Um, I think it sounds amazing because uh, a lot of people don't know these things. So I think there is an educational piece that uh, has to happen with it because a lot of people would go, oh, yeah, kombucha, I, I know what it is. But you guys have gone beyond what is actually in the market and actually bring in the, the health benefits that people could actually have um, and I guess have kept um, to your vision and the, the person and purpose and the, and the passion that you have for products and kept it with integrity and in actually bringing the healthy drinks to life, I guess. Yeah, but it's actually an interesting point. Like the one change or improvement to our vision is we always had the no sugar, nothing artificial um, in our, I guess, the vision and the pipeline of the products we create, but we've actually added in um, the promoting the good gut health benefits as well is now part of is built into the innovations that we create moving forward. So, if we can have beverages that are also functional and adding benefits to health as well, being um, no sugar, nothing artificial, I think that's a really exciting space to continue to see come from Nexwa in the years ahead. Nice. Well. Troy, it has been absolutely amazing having you on the show. Now, for people who would love to find you and contact you and connect with your brand and get to know and buy them, just tell us a little bit about how they can do that. Yeah, great. I guess the easiest way to keep up to date with Nexper News is through our website, um, nexper.com, or on Facebook and uh, Instagram, uh, just uh, looking up Nexper as well um, for myself. Um, feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, obviously, I'll try my best to get back to you as soon as I can. But um, yeah, feel free to hit me up there. I've always uh, been very lucky to use LinkedIn to reach out to people um, to learn a lot. So if I can share any further insights, I'd love to. But um, thanks for listening and hopefully that was um, okay for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, it was uh, It was a great chat. Absolutely. No, I appreciate it. India, thank you. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and got lots out of it. And I don't know whether you noticed, but they have been thinking at a different level from the beginning. That has obviously attributed to the success that they have had. So, as always, please go to www.vindyav.com. So that's V-I-N-D-Y-A vwe.com and make sure that you look at the show notes because in the show notes I have put all the resources that he had shared and all the links to Nextbar and their new products and also if you want to get in touch with Troy I have made sure that I have put all the contact information for him as well so that is it for our episode today until I meet you guys next week have fun and keep at it in your extraordinary journey.